Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as we are blessed to hear and grow in his word in this wonderful season of Advent. You may be seated. The King is coming. This is what we see in our lesson today. More than 500 years before the birth of Jesus, Jeremiah writes, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land, and in his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell security, and this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. And so, here we have the promise that the heir of King David would come. But he would be more than David's heir, he would be David's Lord. Isaiah says that his name would be the Lord, or sorry, Jeremiah says the name would be the Lord is our righteousness. Yahweh sit kenu. God is your righteousness. And this Lord of David would come to be exactly what he's called. He would come to make sinners righteous. He would come to execute judgment and justice against the sins of the world. However, it would not be the justice that we deserve. It would be the final stroke of God's justice wielded on your behalf. As the Messiah would come to save sinners. And he would do it by dying for them. This is why the king is coming. This morning, we read of his beautiful arrival into his holy city, Jerusalem. And he rides into his historic and ancestral home, humble and lowly, riding on a donkey. The king comes to be Yahweh Tzitkenu. The Lord is our righteousness. He rides into Jerusalem to die. He comes to be what was promised by the prophets. This is such a beautiful and perfect mystery for us as we see our God so humble and so lowly riding into Jerusalem as the righteous branch of David. And he's greeted by inhabitants of the holy city as they cry out in faith, Hosanna, or save us, Lord. That cry is an echo from Psalm 118. It says, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of our Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. So bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Did you hear that prayer? This is a prayer that is prayed at a thanksgiving sacrifice at the temple of the Lord. As the first fruits and firstborn of the flock would be brought to the altar of God. And in that prayer of thanksgiving is the preparation for the sacrifice. As the victim was being brought to the Lord, just before this, the psalmist prays, I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And so here we have this image. The people cry Hosanna, echoing Psalm 118. 
And it's the same cry that God's people historically had done as they were walking to the altar with their sacrificial victim. And so here we see that our king comes. And he does not ride to the royal palace. He does not ride to Pilate's seat or Herod's throne and say, this is my seat, I take it. He rides into Jerusalem to be the festal sacrifice. He rides to be the stone that the builders would reject. He rides to mockery, to scorn, abuse, floggings and beatings, death, and hell on earth. Our Lord Jesus rides to die. He rides to be our Savior. He rides to be our righteousness. The King comes to us in humility to be humiliated. This is what he was born to do. As here the sinless Son of God lays down his life for poor, undeserving sinners. As St. Paul reminds us, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We lit our first candle this morning. The season of Advent is officially underway, and that means that Christmas is coming. And it seems like the whole world loves to celebrate Christmas. As Christmas decorations made their appearance in all of the stores over a month ago, the fervor and excitement to get started in preparing for Christmas comes earlier and earlier every year. Yet I would reckon that very few actually truly celebrate Christmas. They have the trees, they have the gifts, they, they have the meals and the parties, they have the cookies and the feasting, they have Frosty, Santa, and Rudolph. But do they have Yahweh Siddiquenu? Do they have the Lord that is their righteousness? Do they have the humble king riding into Jerusalem to die so that they would be forgiven of their sins? Maybe they don't. And the question is then, why? Why do people not want that sort of king that Jesus has come to be? And don't get me wrong. People actually like kings. Even us in America, we have a fondness for kings. Look at the fervor that people have over today just in their political opinions and their political candidates. Every candidate claims to be the one who's going to enter into power and save the republic. People worship them. People adore them. People blindly follow them just as long as they say the right things. Look at the religious fervor and zeal that people have assigned to their politicians. Oh, people love kings. They want the guy who's going to get into power and fix all the things they think are wrong. And yet their hopes are often misplaced. Because no man really has the true power to fix what is wrong in this world. No man can heal the disease that infects our hearts and corrupts our minds so that we are by nature lawless and corrupted. No man can conquer and undo sin. No man can be our righteousness, and that is what we need. We need righteousness, because righteousness is what we lack. As St. Paul writes, he says, For there is no distinction, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so what does that earn us? What does this addiction to unrighteousness eventually lead us to as we cling to the desires of our flesh, as we harden our heart to the wisdom of God, as we fail to listen to the clear words of Scripture, 
Scripture says, for the wages of sin is death. And this is what God tells Adam after eating the fruit. He says, you will return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And beyond the death of our bodies, as we perish into dust, there is a greater death that exists. It is the spiritual death that we experience in being odds with our Creator. Because there's nothing other than that. When we are left apart from our Creator, there is nothing but hell to pay. And no matter Christmas partying, no amount of present wrapping, no matter house decorating or cookie baking or watching TV can redeem you from this. It might numb you to the reality, it might distract you from what's going on, but it will not give you the righteousness of God. It is only the King. It is the King who rides humbly into Jerusalem to save you from your sins. It is only Yahweh Tzedek Kenu, the Lord is your righteousness. And that is what we look to during the season of Advent. It is the birth of this Messiah King. It is the living God taking the place of sinful man. Christmas is a season of feasting and celebration, but Advent is a season of preparation. It's about making the heart ready to meet the King. And how are we to meet him? Are you prepared to meet Jesus? And that's the question we must ask ourselves, not just during the season of Advent, but every day of our lives. People love to ask this time of year. You go to the shops or you see a friend and they say, are you ready for Christmas? Many of them aren't thinking about the coming of the Lord. They're asking about, have you bought your presents? Have you baked your cookies? Have you put up your tree? Have you decorated your house? Are you prepared to travel? But this question should inspire in us a deeper consideration of the heart. Are you ready to meet the king? Are you ready to stand before the judge of heaven and earth? Are you ready to die? Are you ready for the last day and the return of Christ? Is your heart prepared to see the righteousness of the Lord? Are you prepared to stand before God with confidence of a clean conscience and a pure heart? Because our king has come. He entered Jerusalem. Before that, he came from heaven to earth. As we sang in our sermon hymn today, Savior of the Nations, come. Our God comes from heaven to earth to be born lowly and small. As he's conceived by the Holy Spirit and born in the manger, he sets aside all of his heavenly glory and honor to bear the humility of our human flesh. He has to suffer the indignity and pain of birth. He has to endure the discomfort and concert constant sorrow of life in this fallen world he becomes like us in every way he's hungry he's thirsty he gets tired and yet he does all of it without sin jesus does what we cannot do jesus is our righteousness he is yahweh Siddiquenu. and he rides into jerusalem as that perfect spotless savior of the world with no sin to die a sinner's death. His blood is shed, his body is broken, and his life is given also that sinners may be freed from their bondage to sin. He executes the ultimate stroke of divine justice in putting every sin ever committed to death in his own body. His flesh 
bears all of it. And that's why the babe in the manger is born. We know that after he dies, he rises, he ascends to his father with the promise that he will return. And we know that by faith in him, we are justified. St. Paul says this, he says, And we are justified, or we are made righteous before God by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood or a payment for the justice that must be dealt. And that payment is to be received by faith. Faith is what welcomes Christ as our king. He would accept nothing else. He would not allow us to receive him by any other means other than trust and belief in who he is and what he has accomplished for you. We cannot do anything other than this. We are called to simply turn from our sins and believe in him. We are called to live in repentance, and that's what makes us ready to meet him. This is what purifies our sinful flesh and makes us presentable to him. We must be ready because he's coming again. The king will establish his rule over all creation. He will judge the nations. He will gather the faithful to him and bring them to dwell in the eternal joy of his father's house. He will reign forever as we live as his eternal and holy people. The true Israel that has been called out from this world will be gathered to Christ. And as our sins are forgiven, we will greet his return with everlasting joy. I pray that you long for that day. I pray that you hope for that day. That you pray that God would hasten that day to come. But there's more. Because he comes among us already today. He's come to save and to rule over his church. The king's dwelling place is indeed with his people. And though Jesus has ascended into heaven to sit at the Father's right hand, he's never far from you. He promises disciples, he says, truly I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus comes to us and dwells with us through his word. He comes to us through preaching, through baptism, through the Holy Supper. He comes to forgive our sins through the means of grace. He provides his gospel, the preaching of his death and resurrection for the salvation of sinners. He gives us the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. He offers us his body and blood that is given for us to eat and drink for the forgiveness of our sins. These are where Jesus is to be found for us. This grace is here for us in the same way that he came into this world the first time. It's here for us in total smallness and humility. Water and word, wafers and wine, fools preaching what they barely can begin to fathom. That's where Jesus is. Christ rides into Jerusalem to die for sinners. He rides into his church today as well. He enters this church to prepare us for his coming. And he does not come with all the fanfare of the modern celebrity or politician. We don't roll up the red carpet and there's no camera or news crew. He comes in much more humble means than that. Christ comes to be received by penitent sinners who are only perceived 
and only perceive his arrival in this place by faith. They trust that he is here simply because he promised to be. That is how you are made ready for him. As we gather in repentance, as we gather in faith, as we acknowledge our sins before the Lord, that is what Advent is about. If you were going to have a distinguished visitor in your home, you would prepare. You would clean the house. You would repair blemishes or broken things. You would make sure everything was set in good order for his or her arrival. Christ is here. And he's here to help us do the same for his arrival. As he gives us his word, as he reveals our sins through the preaching of his law, then he forgives us for the sake of his cross and his resurrection. Are you ready for Christmas? This is a question we ought to think more deeply about. It does not have anything to do with gifts or cookies or parties. It has everything to do with whether or not you are ready to meet the king. Are you ready to stand before Jesus? And that has everything to do with what you believe, where you place your hope, and what, me what that means for the condition of your heart and your conscience. In other words, are your sins forgiven you? Do you believe that Jesus has died for you, a poor sinner? Do you trust in the gracious rule of your righteous king? Do you cling to your old sinful flesh and your old sinful behavior, or do you set them aside trusting that Jesus Christ has come to take those away? Do you see the gifts he has given through his word as ultimately more valuable than any trinket that has been ordered from some Black Friday special on Amazon? This is why this morning we're going to sing one of the greatest Advent hymns as we come to the altar for the Lord's Supper. It's, o Lord, how shall I meet thee? It's a hymn written by the greatest hymnist, I think, in the Lutheran tradition. His name is Paul Gearhart. For this particular Sunday in Advent, he wrote it. And verse 3 wonderfully describes what is happening as we come to the altar this morning. It says, I lay in fetters groaning, thou comest to set me free. I stood, my shame bemoaning, thou comest to honor me. A glory thou dost give me, a treasure safe on high, that will not fail or leave me, as earthly riches fly. Our Lord comes to us who bemoan with sorrow over our sin, to bring us out from our grief and into the glory of heaven. Remember, Psalm 118 this morning, where we get that faithful cry, Hosanna, save us now, Lord. It is prayed as the thanksgiving sacrifice in the Old Testament. There the people would sacrifice to God and share a meal before him. The sacrificial victim, the, the lamb or the bull, was meant to be a reminder of the coming of the Lord who would die for them. And they came before the Lord as sinners to rejoice in his mercy. And as the meat was sacrificed on the altar, they would then also then bring the meat down to be shared by the assembly. We come before our Lord today with the Hosanna prayer. Mercy is what we receive as we eat and drink the body and blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Here we have something greater than any worldly Christmas celebration. Here we have the greatest feast in the world. We have a feast that trumps the best of Christmas dinners. Because here you have the forgiveness of sins. And God's righteousness is given to you and for you. Your king has come. He answers the penitential cry of the faithful as we say, Hosanna, save us, Lord. He's come to save sinners. And for now, he arrives in perfect humility so that he might be received by faith. We look forward to the day when he comes in his glory to gather us to be his holy subjects in his eternally righteous kingdom. And so prepare. Be ready for that day. Pursue his holiness by keeping the faith. Live in repentance. Trust in your Savior King. He is Yahweh Tzedekinu. He is the Lord is your righteousness. We will hear another verse from Gearhart this morning, a verse of comfort and joy. He writes, Rejoice then, you sad-hearted, who sit in deepest gloom, who mourn your souls depart, your joys departed, and tremble at your doom. Despair not. He is near you. They're standing at the door. And who best can help you and cheer you and bid you weep no more? Let us pray. Father in heaven, bless us as we prepare for Jesus to come. Allow us to prepare for the festival of Christ's birth and repentant reflection and worship our Lord and King. Cause us to faithfully receive the righteousness of Christ by faith so that he continually dwells in our hearts as he rules over your church in perfect grace and forgiveness. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds of the true faith to life everlasting. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We rise.